0: So we're 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 about ten forty five. So I think twelve o'clock should be a good wrap up time um, for us. I appreciate all the laughter uh, th- this morning. It it will be brief. It it really will be brief. What we want to talk about a little bit is just continuing uh the the theme that we started last week of living in purpose. Um, but if you just for a brief moment, look at the screen. Something was brought to my attention that I thought I thought was pretty cool. Um, Joe Walker came up to me afterwards and he said, "Did you put that picture up there intentionally?" And I said, "I would have liked to, especially with the theme of living in purpose, be intentional with everything that we did." Um, but but my wife usually puts these together for me because she she's clever with those things. But he he said, "Did you notice the the lines on each side of the road?" And how it's no parking there. And he said, you know, when you're living in purpose... You don't have time to park. You've somewhere to go, and so I thought that was just cool imagery that that um, that he had seen there. So I wanted to share that with you. But but this morning we're going to be sharing, and we're going to get really practical this morning. I, I hope that's okay. Kiwis are practical anyway, so hopefully this will this will be a good um, tangible thing that we can look at. And it, it might seem oversimple to a lot of people as well, but I think the the premise of what we're talking about this morning is that there's nothing more important. There's nothing more important. Than the people that are sitting right next to you and the people that you interact with on a daily basis. The power of relationship is what we're talking about this morning. There's nothing more important than relationship. And so we're going to look at that a little bit. But I always like to start with a story. And so the story this morning is about my little dog, buddy. Now, I love my little dog, Buddy, and I don't have my little dog, Buddy, anymore. He lives in the States. And so one of the things I was most excited about was seeing my little dog, Buddy. And my little dog, Buddy, just because he's a little dog doesn't mean that he's not a manly dog, okay? He is He's ferocious, and um, he's so ferocious that the mailman was going to stop delivering mail at our house because Buddy terrorized him so much. And Buddy is like a half Yorkshire Terrier, half um, Jack Russell, So I don't know if you've seen a Yorkshire Terrier, but they're about as scary as, like, I don't know, like a bunny rabbit that's, like, just been born, you know? Like, these things are not scary. But Angie, like, Angie wanted a little lap dog. So she wanted a dog that she could put a cute little, like, jacket on, which I don't think you should put animals on clothes anyways. But she just wanted a, a nice little dog that, like, wouldn't do anything. And this was before we were married. And she even bought, like, a little, like, carrying thing so she could bring the little dog with him. But the first day that Angie went to work, she came back from work and, um, and Buddy was ferocious and he had got his, his mouth caught in his collar somehow. And he was bleeding like a little bit when she came home and she said, this dog is wild. I don't even know how that was possible for him to get his, his teeth in his collar. So, so Buddy ended up coming to my house. And so when Buddy, um, he was allowed to kind of roam a little bit more free and kind of do his thing at my house, and and me and my brother recently moved over there. to, um, to, to He just finished high school, and so he came over, and we really encouraged Buddy to believe that he was a big dog. And, and so we did everything that we could to make him think that he was, he's was one of the Northway boys. It was Matt, Jesse, and Buddy. We we're all, all equal standings, you know, in our household. And so we would play games with him where I would, I or Matt would hold him. And, and then one of us would just run as fast as we can. And, Buddy's, ah you know, he's, he's want to go. And then we'd let him go and he would tear off down the street. And he would catch us pretty quick and we'd wrestle him and, and he'd bite us and we'd bite him. And it was just, it was just, we had a lot of fun with our little dog, buddy. But the the funniest thing is that when I went back to Tucson this last time, so we were just there, um, buddy was a completely different person dog because he's almost a person. So he's not quite a person. He was timid. He was, he was like, he, he, he played a little bit. He was only a little bit crazy. He wasn't as crazy as we knew him. He, he he wasn't jumping anywhere his personality had completely changed which i I'd, I'd noticed a little bit over the years cuz buddy's older now he's he's probably like 8 or 9 but it's not his old age that's made him act like that he he has a new owner and his his new owner is a really good guy he was he's a um he's he's the guy that moved into uh, our house after we had left and his name is Paul and Paul's in his late 70s and he kind of adopted Buddy. And my dad owns this triplex that we all lived in. And so it's one of my dad's very good friends. And he's, um, he was a philosophy teacher at a university. And so, um, to, to be able to enjoy philosophy at that level, you have to be a fairly low key kind of person. There's not a whole lot of activity that happens there. And so he, he's very, very low key. Like Paul is a very low key individual. He is not the kind of guy that's going to go get in a bar fight. He is just, he's very, just, He's a really nice guy though. But it was so interesting to me to come back to see my little dog Buddy. Like I just, we just didn't have that bond anymore. He wasn't my buddy anymore. Just because we loved the wild times and it was just, it was so much fun. But this morning, just the idea that I want to talk to you from is that the relationship that you can have can significantly impact somebody. And I know Buddy's not a dog. Buddy's not a person. He felt like a person to me. The way that you interact with somebody and what you encourage in someone else can significantly impact who they become and who they turn into and what what they do. My, My whole premise this morning is that relationship is powerful. Relationship has power. In relationship is where we're most tested, is where we're most stretched, is where we're most challenged, is where we're changed and where we're transformed. It's not in a really good program. The sermon this morning is, is take it or leave it. That's not the thing where you get changed. This is us just taking an expression where we can stop and hopefully look at some scriptures a little bit more. Transformation happens is when you're walking in relationship with the people that you're sitting next to, that are in your family, that are your coworkers, that are your neighbors. That is where transformation happens. And as such, when we're talking about living in purpose, we want to make sure that we don't miss the most important vehicle that we could possibly live in purpose in being relationship. I was just thinking about this whole idea of relationships being the thing that define where we go and what we do. And I just remember um, w- the things and the places that I feel fondly of in my past are all directly linked to relationships and not to the organizations or the institutions that they were linked with. Um, Some people really enjoy their family, and they talk about their family as the best thing ever, and some people hate family, and they just can't stand talking about their family or their growing up situation. The institution of family isn't what dictates your perspective on that, but it's the relationships that you have within that family that make it what it is. In the same way, when I was thinking about some of the churches that I've been to in the past, I have some churches that I just think of so fondly. One of them being Mastered in Community Church. We have a couple people. The Pluenskis, you guys have been through there. Who else is Mastered in Community Church? Anyone else? Marks, he's, he's half a hand up. He he kind of liked Mastered in Community Church. No, <laughs> no, no, I know. One of the things why I thought... Why I loved Masterton Community Church wasn't because the worship was phenomenal. It's a, it's a small church in Masterton and it's a good church. It's not because the teaching was good. It's not because they had good midweek services. It's not because we went out to Riversdale every holidays and we were leaders at a kids camp out there. That's not the reason why I think so fondly of the church. But it's some of the relationships that I formed while I was at that church that determines what that church even means to me. And I just, I wanted to share with you one, one guy's name, Matt Trail. I just, I can't say enough good things about Matt Trail. He's the kind of guy that won't go 51 kilometers in a 50-kilometer-hour zone. It's just something that we would make fun of him a lot for, but he just, he, he that's the kind of guy that he was. He was a couple years older than us. He was 22, and he came down from Featherston, and he became the youth pastor. And he was a friend when I really needed a friend. He was an example when I really needed an example. Um, he would invite a bunch of us over to his house. He lived in a little one-bedroom like flat, and we would all like be up in the rafters. And there was six or seven of us that would all stay the night in this like little place. And the smells and the things that just—it it was memories that you remember. But I so appreciate and I think of so fondly Mastered in Community Church because of the relationships that he afforded and that he was there. It wasn't any of those other things. And what we're looking at in this season, when we're thinking about an idea of living in purpose and who we are and, and what we feel God is really leading us into right now, it's not to focus on programs and it's not to focus on um, a, a fantastic midweek service or anything like that. And we're going to continue still hopefully putting some of those things together. But the first thing that we want to make sure that whatever we're doing is being intentional in the relationships that we have because it's the relationships with one another that truly form who we are, not the things that we do. And so that's just something that's really been stirring on our heart. I think it's so easy to go into default mode with one another. I don't know about you, but even if you go into default mode with your wife or with your kids. Um, when Angie and I went to, um, we just got back from vacation and, um, and we have two little boys. And if we don't plan strategically how we're gonna be with them, they win. Like, they, they're gonna be the ones that dictate whatever happens. And so I, we, we would, we wanted to go swimming and then we wanted to go to the beach and it sounded like a really good, fun family day. Well, we, we didn't even get to the beach. Like, it was that kind of a day. Swimming took the whole day, and I don't even know if we got in the water that day. But if Angie and I would usually take some time to say, okay, so if this happens, we'll do this, or if, if the boys aren't doing this, we'll have to bail completely, or we'll have to do this. But we were always kind of intentional. But when we were on vacation, it was so hard to get the time because we're staying with friends and family, and sometimes we're even staying sleeping in different houses because there's just spread around, and there's so much. But in the chaos... and We weren't able to be intentional in how we were going to deal with the boys. And as such, it became meltdown central. The whole, the whole premise of what we're talking about is that if you don't know what you're after, you might not get it. And if there's nothing more important than relationships, then that's the most important thing that we want to be intentional in. And default mode comes so quickly. I can't tell you the amount of times just and not just in this church, but just in any church when you have conversations and the relationships that you have with people get to a surface level. And it's so hard sometimes to dig beyond that because default mode just says, hey, how are you doing? The rugby game was great. The rugby game was horrible. What did you think about that? And then we we move on, not because I think there's an intention to not connect, but if there's not an intention to go deeper, if there's not something that you're going purposeful or in, you're not going to be able to get what you're not after. So the question this morning is, what are we after? And I think the first place to start is relationships and what relationships look like. And this morning, there's just, there's one guy in the Bible that I want to look at and Next, next year, we have three guys that we want to just look at at the beginning of the year that I think really reflect some really powerful tools of how to be intentional in relationship. And so the first guy that we're going to look at this morning is Barnabas. So Barnabas turns up in, um, in the New Testament, and he's Paul's buddy. But we're going to look at just a brief story. But before we look at a brief story of, Paul, of Barnabas, I want to show you just the kind of guy that Barnabas is. And he was really intentional in relationships, so much so um, that he was named Barnabas. That's not even his real name. But he was named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So this guy was such an encourager. He was such a friend. He was even given the name of that. That's what his actual name became. But you see the kind of guy that he is the first, the first time he joins us in the Bible. So it's Acts 9, verse 26. And when he, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. So we're talking about Paul. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. So I'm going to back up before I talk about Barnabas. So Paul, we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, as a side note, that he's just been trying to kill all these Christians. He radically meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, on his way to go and persecute more Christians. And he starts boldly preaching the gospel once he has this huge conversion. And he comes back to Jerusalem. In fact, he gets chased out of Damascus by probably his old friends. And he's coming to Jerusalem and he wants to join in fellowship with the believers in Jerusalem. And we have a whole group of people that in the Bible says they were afraid of him. They weren't just afraid of him. Like, Oh, they thought that he was dodgy. This guy was known to be a killer of the people. So if we knew somebody was actively trying to kill Christians and welcoming into fellowship here, that presents some challenges. And so they did not believe that he was a disciple, but listen to this, but Barnabas, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Paul went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. I just think about Paul and the ministry that he had, and he was one of the most prolific writers in the Bible. And we've benefited so much from Paul, and we think of him as maybe the greatest missionary of all time. And just Paul was one bad dude. But Paul didn't do it alone. In fact, he needed a Barnabas, and we all need a Barnabas, and we all need to be a Barnabas. Barnabas was not afraid of sticking up for his, his, his buddy. He was not afraid to jump in the middle. And this isn't a a little situation. This is somebody that is, is accused of being a murderer and was a murderer. And he had a guy that was willing to step up and say, actually, I've seen this guy preaching boldly in Damascus. And there must have been other people around. But other people weren't speaking up. Other people weren't stepping in for their buddy. It was Barnabas. I think that just gives us a sense of who Barnabas is and who we can get a picture of that we're talking about in regards to intentionality in relationships. We are all called to be encouragers like Barnabas was called, son of encouragement. So the the, the passage that I want to look at just briefly is Acts 11, verse 19. And we're just going to pull out three things that I think are the very beginning roads for us on really practical ways to be intentional in the relationships with one another. So I'm just going to read the story for you very briefly. Acts 11 verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So just to to summarize that, we have just had in the passage directly before this, Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time, and the Gentiles were overwhelmingly filled with the Spirit and and had this radical conversion. It's the first time in Scripture that that the Gentiles were filled with the Spirit. And immediately after that, they're hearing reports of what we're talking about, that churches are, are... Seeing and they specifically reference the Hellenists, which is just another group that are not outside of the Jewish people that are receiving Jesus, that are receiving the message of Jesus for the very first time. Now, this is a radical thought. This is a radical thing that people that are not of Jewish lineage are coming into the to the um, knowledge of who Jesus is and the whole backstory of of where he's come from and, and and really the Jewish tradition, the Jewish religion. This is this is a scary thought for a lot of people. And so it's important to understand the backdrop that we see Barnabas enter into because Barnabas, where he's worth his weight in gold, is not when we're having a chat about the rugby, but when there's issues that are really popping up that are really deep into the society of what they're dealing with. And I love Barnabas's response because they send Barnabas to Antioch. And they say, Barnabas, we need you to go and check out what's going on because we don't know what this is. We need somebody to go and see, is this legit? What's going on? You need to go and look and see, are these people for real or what's going on? So this is Barnabas's response. When Barnabas came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. The very first thing that I want to point out, in that Barnabas, in his interaction with these people, the very first thing that Barnabas did, and the very first thing that the Bible says, is that he saw the grace of the Lord. So this is the first major point. He saw the grace of the Lord. The question is, What are you looking for when you interact with other people? Are you looking for the grace of the Lord on their lives? Or are you looking for where the grace of the Lord has missed that little part? It's so easy to find the fault in other people. It's so easy to make that our default position. That we see everything that's not right. We see the light that's flickering. We see the things that don't work well. But are you looking for the grace of the Lord? Because remember, if we're talking about living in purpose, if there's nothing more important than relationship, then there's nothing more important than what we're after in relationship. And I would submit to you that the number one thing that we should be after in relationship is seeing the grace of the Lord on each and every life. We're not looking for the things that don't work here or don't work there because it's truly God that works those things out anyways. But what we want to be looking for is where is the grace of the Lord functioning in this person's life? I think it's so important. There's another position that I think we take too often, and it's not necessarily to find fault in others, but it's just that we're not looking for anything. So we come together with someone, and and you might know them, and you think you know them really well, but if you spent time looking for the grace of God on their life, if you don't know what you're after, it's going to be really hard to get whatever that is. But if you know what you're after is looking for the grace of God on someone's life, it makes the looking a lot easier because you know what you're after. Do you know what the grace of the Lord is on the person to your right and to your left? Are you looking for Or do you know their faults better? Or do you just only learn how the rugby game went, what they thought about it, and then continue on? Or did you share a really good recipe, but you don't know that after the recipe, they just had a big punch-up with their spouse? Hopefully not that serious, right? I love the second thing that he says. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. His response to seeing the grace of God was that he was glad. I think that's so important. The second point is that he was glad, is that he was rejoicing with somebody when he found the grace of God. Our response to what we see in other people is just as important. I think a lot of us want to offer, it's so easy to offer our opinion on, I think you should be doing this, this, or this. But first, have we checked ourselves to look for the grace of God in their life, to celebrate with them the grace of God on their life? And then we'll continue going in a second. But I think this point is so important. It's so important to celebrate with others. There's nothing more important, I think, than we're saying to be intentional in relationships. So the first two things we want to be intentional with, I think, that are so helpful is to be looking for the grace of God. But once you find it, start celebrating with that person. Start celebrating with those people where the grace of God is functioning in and on and around their lives. Amen? It's so hard to clap for yourself. Well, you can. You can do a slow clap, Aaron. I like to do the slow clap for Aaron whenever he does anything. It's hard to clap for yourself. And and what I mean by that is you you can't encourage yourself along. You can't rejoice with yourself. For Christmas morning, I'm so excited. We've gotten gifts that are probably way too expensive for our boys. But I'm so excited that when they they unwrap their present, I don't care if I don't get anything, but I want to celebrate with them as they unwrap the present. And can I tell you, the grace of God is a gift. It's freely given to you. And so when we're celebrating the gift that God has placed on other people, it's just like Christmas morning. That It's the Christmas gift. Can you imagine if Archer was just there by himself? And I'm saying, go open your presents and we're going to stay in here. He's going to have fun for like 10 minutes. But after that, daddy, daddy, come and play with me. It's so much better when we can celebrate with a person. And, And what a powerful thought that if these are the things that we're intentional over, We're not intentional over saying, did I like the worship this morning? But what was the quality of my looking in the grace of God for someone else? And how did I encourage them in that grace of God? What if those are the things that define us as a community as opposed to the program that we provide or the the level of uh, home group studies and things? And I think all of those things are so important. But what's more important is that our number one core value is that we highly value people. And since we highly value people, we know that each person has a powerful purpose that they're walking in. But we can't encourage one another unless all of us are doing it. I can encourage those around me. I love getting together with Aaron. I love getting together with Joram. I love getting together with those guys. But it's so limited what individuals can do. But if every single one of us is living in purpose, looking for the grace of God in one another, that is a powerful community. That is a powerful premise. And then celebrating with one another once we find it. Second, the, the last major point, and, and we'll wrap up soon, I promise. This is Christmas time. We need, we need fun times. The last thing. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. I thought that's so powerful. You're looking for the grace of God. You find it you rejoice with those who have it. And then the the final step that's so important is that you're encouraging and you're exhorting people. And I love the wording the Bible says with steadfast purpose. That's ironclad direction. That's I know where I'm going and I know where you're going and I see the grace of God on your life. And I want to encourage you into that. One of the reasons why I believe churches don't don't come into the life that they need to is because they don't have a people encouraging one another in their God-given purposes. And it's not because they don't want to. It's just there's that lack of intentionality, that lack of living in purpose. If you're living in purpose, then you're intentionally looking for the grace of God. You're intentionally rejoicing with people. And then you make it a point, I want to exhort you to continue with steadfast purpose what the grace of God is doing on your life. And that's not the job of professionals, but it's the job of every single one of us to be exhorting the person on our right and our left with steadfast purpose to continue. I thought about this when I read this passage have you Have you heard of the bystander effect? the bystander effect so it it came after a series of high profile crimes that happened in broad daylight so people people I mean pretty serious ones getting murdered or you know pretty bad robberies and all sorts. And the bystander effect is this, is people, there was, there was a whole lot of people around. And when the people were interviewed of, why didn't you help? They said, there was so many people around, I thought that somebody else was going to help. There was so many people around, I thought that somebody else was going to do it. So I, th- I thought that was so fitting today that for encouragement... How often do we just think that probably someone else is going to encourage them in that thing that we saw that they did that was the grace of God all over it. We need to get past the bystander effect and be intentional that when we see the grace of God operating on someone's life and we rejoice with them that we want to exhort them to continue with steadfast purpose. So this is recognizing that we have a value, but celebrating the value in other people, because that's where value truly comes out. There's nothing more important than relationships. There's nothing more important than the value that each one of us create and uh, each one of us hold as we're created in the image of God himself. We have to start being intentional about how we engage with one another. And I know some of us already are, but I hope this is just a refreshing, just little snippet of some of the things that are stirring in our heart of what does this practically look like to live in purpose? What does it look like to be intentional in how we are with one another? And I think Barnabas and there's two other guys that we're going to look at, at the beginning of next year that I think have so many lessons to teach us. So this morning, the question is, are we being intentional in our relationships? And this just isn't among us as a church. This is with your, your boys and with your girls, with your parents, with, with your grandparents, with your coworkers, You know, the grace of God functions on everyone's life, whether they know it or not. We should be looking for the grace of God in people's lives at work, in people's lives that we don't enjoy, in people's lives that we really enjoy, and celebrating with them. Let that be the thing that defines us, not how clever we are or how we think this thing should work, but by how good we are at seeing the grace of God in someone's life, rejoicing with them, and exhorting them to continue with steadfast purpose. Amen? So let's let's just close this time in a time of prayer. I just want to bless you guys. I I think the voice is going to be a really great time where we get to come together and hopefully bless the community. I, I think uh, Dave and Dave and Justin are the, the team to beat. I'm telling you, you guys don't want to miss their performance. Um, but let's just pray. Father, we, we thank you, Jesus. Again, like I said, that you are in control. That it, it's not man that controls anything, Father, but it's you. But, Lord, this morning as we come before you once more, Lord, I pray that you would solidify in our hearts of people that value one another. Lord, I pray that you would solidify in our hearts and give us, give us passion to serve one another. And not just in this community, but in our community. To be looking for the grace of God. To be looking for the thing that you freely gave to each person in this city. Lord. Let us be people that rejoice with them. Lord, let us be known for our ability to come together and support with steadfast purpose that which you've placed on each life. Lord, I pray that you would continue stirring in us as a people. Lord, we thank you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.